1: We are spiritual beings having a human experience.
2: Welcome to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.
0: Welcome to the Yoga Hour, offering insights
1: and practices for spiritually conscious living in today's world. Here is your host, Dr. Laurel Trujillo.
2: Good morning, and welcome to the Yoga Hour, where we talk about yoga in all its depth and breadth as a path to a spiritually conscious, fulfilled living in today's world. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, host and producer of the show. Our topic today is unconditional gratitude, finding resilience and well-being. My guest today is Christy Nelson. Christy is the executive director of a network for Grateful Living. Which was founded by Brother David Steindl Rast, a Benedictine monk and interfaith dialogue activist. Christy has spent more than 30 years in nonprofit leadership, development, and consulting. She has worked for the Center for Mindfulness in Medicine, Kripalu Center for Yoga and Health, and the Soul of Money Institute. She is a stage four cancer survivor and is the author of the book we're going to be discussing today, Wake Up Grateful, The Transformative Practice of Taking Nothing for Granted. You can learn more about the Network for Grateful Living at gratefulness.org. Welcome, Christy Nelson. I am so glad you could join me today on the Yoga Hour.
1: Oh, I'm super happy to be here, Laurel. I'm (laughs) really glad to be your guest, and this is just going to be a wonderful opportunity to talk about all the things that you guys hold most dear, there's a lot of alignment between our work. So I feel really lucky about that. So thank you. We we do too. So
2: so before we dive into our dialogue about claiming your inner joy and freedom through gratitude and gratefulness practice, let's begin with a yoga moment, a Mm -hmm. moment of bringing ourselves fully present to the now. Oh, So let's begin right where we are. Whatever we're doing, just bring our attention to our bodies in space, feeling all of the surfaces that are supporting our bodies, whether we're standing, sitting, walking, just feeling our bodies as they rest on the surface. And now turning our attention to the breath, We take a fully conscious breath and notice on the inhale and the exhale. On the next inhale, feeling the cool air in the nostrils. And on the next exhale, the warm air flowing out. As we continue to pay attention to our breath, just resting, resting in the present moment. Here is a poem to contemplate from the Yoga Hours founder and spiritual director, Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. This is taken from her book of poetry, The Moon Reminded Me. The title of the poem is Sandhya. Sandhya is a Sanskrit word that refers to the transitional hours, the time of day for prayer, dawn, noon, and dusk. Listen. Lark sings as day begins and when it ends. The tide of gratitude flows in. Senses bow before the One. Lark sings as day begins and when it ends. The tide of gratitude flows in. Senses bow before the One. This is the hour. Enter the temple of I am that. Grace is being dispensed. Take prasad, ambrosia of now, nectar of surrender. It will sweeten your tongue, render you speechless, make you sing. Oh. So once again, Christy Nelson, welcome to the Yoga Hour. In your delightful book, Wake Up Grateful, You describe how, well, you describe your cancer journey, how you had stage four Hodgkin's lymphoma that metastasized to your spine in your early 30s and you survived. And I was very struck as a physician at how long it took them to try and diagnose you. And that was a heck of a story, you know, that how literally it was months, you know, that they were trying to figure out what was going on with you in these fevers of unknown origin before they actually realized that it was, you know, Hodgkin's lymphoma. So, how did that experience open you up? to the importance of gratitude?
1: Mm, Such a good question. I love having the opportunity to speak with a physician yogi. (laughs) It's really a great combination. Um, Yes, it was a nine month journey actually. And um, it was nine months from the time of my first fever till I was diagnosed and then nine months of treatment after that. So really it was quite a long experience and you know, there's something about life in your early thirties where I just think there's, it's a time when we tend to feel really omnipotent. The future is ours. People are doing a lot of planning for a long future and starting to build lives that really depend on the future. And so for me, it took me out of that equation. It just wrenched me right out of that and right into the present moment. And Everything that I realized I had was just a series of present moments, not knowing how long any of those present moments were going to last for me. And so in the space of that awareness of impermanence, which comes very acutely home to us when we're in the hospital for extended periods of time, I realized that I could go through this experience quarreling and fighting with Um, with what was happening, and wondering why me, or I could really say, what's the opportunity here available to me right now. And it, it struck me so vividly, because without an idea of a future, I really wanted to go out of my life as consciously and as lovingly as I possibly could. I wanted my karmic path, my path, to be one that I could really live with and that the people I loved could live with after I was gone. And I didn't want to fight. And so I realized that I had the opportunity to love and to be grateful for what was mine and to travel that journey of uncertainty with as much faith and as much love as I could possibly muster. And that made me grateful. It made me deeply grateful for every moment I had, especially not knowing how many more there were to come.
2: Wow, what a, you know, what an experience to have in your 30s. That's really amazing. Mm-hmm. So, th- this idea of gratitude is obviously not a new one. There's a lot out there about being grateful and the importance of gratitude practice. There's actually a lot of science, which you mentioned a little bit in the book, about how good gratitude is for us, you know, that we actually do better health-wise and emotion-wise when we have gratitude for things that are happening in our lives yeah so and then of course the organization that where you work the Netford a network for a grateful living is a great online resource with tools and lots of things people can sign up for the word of the day so what why did you write the book what prompted you to write the book what more did you think
1: was needed in this space of of gratitude mm, such a good question thank you You know, I think a lot of people, it's easy to have a moment of gratitude and gratitude tends to be a transactional kind of thing. We have something happen, we like it, we get what we want or need, we feel gratitude. And yet it's really challenging to live gratefully. And there's a big distinction between having a feeling of gratitude and a moment of gratitude when something good happens. And then what's that deeper invitation and the deeper practice of living every moment of our lives gratefully aware that that life is a gift that there is all of this extraordinary opportunity and possibility available to us all the time and to be grateful even no matter what is happening that's really hard we're not taught about that we're taught to use our manners, to say thank you when we get what we want, um, you know all those kinds of things. Honestly, it's so ingrained in us. And so gratitude, yes, it's wonderful, but how do we string those moments together? And to me, that invited a deeper examination and inquiry, which is what are the baselines? What are the unconditional sources of gratitude that we can lean into that allow for an experience of being grateful? Uh, in all these moments strung together. And that really is about being grateful for life. Mm -hmm. It really then rests in being grateful for the body, being grateful for our emotions, no matter what they are, being grateful for the the breath, the fact of being alive, the air, the weather, the things that never go away. Mm -hmm. And so if we can cultivate a deeper and deeper practice, a foundational practice of being unconditionally grateful, Then it helps us in all the rest of the moments of our lives, right? So that's really what the book is about. And Brother David always said he had this way of talking about it, which was stop, look, go. Um, That's how you practice. And, of course, um, people who have a yoga practice understand the stopping, the pausing, the becoming present. The looking is about noticing, and the going is about doing something with it. But I thought it needed a lot more explanation and Mm -hmm. excavation, you know, kind of how do we really do this?
2: hmm hmm I love the distinction that you make in the book, which you touched on briefly there between the two words, grateful and um, gratitude. So gratefulness,
0: mm-hmm. which
2: is such a wonderful word, isn't it? Gratefulness. I just, mm-hmm. I adore that. But can you talk a little bit more about that? So some people may be familiar with like a gratitude practice at the end of the day. Oftentimes I've heard people think about three things that I'm grateful for that happened today, you know, or, or I have gratitude for. So how does that differ from this idea that you were just pointing to about gratefulness and
1: living from that perspective? Mm, such a good distinction. Um, I think gratitude is fickle. <laughs> you know, we, we have a very, it's a challenging relationship to gratitude because we're really taught to to feel grateful when things go our way. Right. right, So life doesn't promise that. and and gratitude, I think of as being many things. It's a reaction or a response to something happening outside of us. It's um, it tends to be highly conditional. It's highly fleeting. It comes and goes really quickly, um as any of us can probably point to in our own experience. And what I like to say is gratitude gratefulness. So the difference, the distinction would be gratefulness is an inner orientation to life. So gratefulness is an inside job. Mm-hmm. Gratefulness occurs on the in, in the internal experience and how we greet life. And it is with gratefulness. And I love to talk about the gratefulness of life because that's everything. Mm-hmm. And gratefulness of heart. How do we greet the gratefulness of life with gratefulness of heart?
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: so I think this is the, the work that, all of these practices really help us with, which is how do I cultivate a deeper wellspring of gratefulness for every moment? And gratefulness is just a state of being grateful. Mm -hmm. And how do we extend that to all our moments, not to everything, but to every moment? And gratefulness is the invitation and it's the answer. So Mm -hmm. to that experience, which is getting really deeply present, recognizing the gift of life, recognizing the fleetingness and preciousness of time, um, recognizing what we do and don't get to control. And that this moment is all we have. So, you know, we're steeped in this, those those people who are really pursuing spiritual practice and spiritual lives. We understand this. And yet gratefulness is a really beautiful place to land ourselves. It's a beautiful space, as you call it, um, to cultivate for ourselves. And I think it really is great fullness of heart that helps us be there, which is how do I be wildly vulnerable and available to life mm-hmm. and recognize in that the poignancy that that is there for us. And in that poignancy to say, this is precious. I need to really be 100% here now, gratefully. That's the thing that leads to no regrets, you know, to mm. living a, gr- a regret-free life more. And I think that's something that appeals to all of us is to be really present with what matters most. Mm. And that's gratefulness.
2: Wow. That was really a beautiful, beautiful description. So thank you for that. And I was just reflecting on the subtitle of your book. Your book is Wake Up Grateful. And the subtitle is The Transformative Practice of Taking Nothing for Granted right yeah, so and that's exactly go. what you were talking about taking nothing for granted and how easily we fall into taking so many things for granted which you even talk about in the book after your cancer journey you know that you were it, it was very very present you for you for a period of time and then we all kind of slip into this taking things for granted so here we are this is uh, february of 2021 we are globally in this very stressful time of the pandemic. It has been going on way, way, way longer than anyone would have wanted. Many people are suffering in just unimaginable ways. Loss of family members. I mean, we just are passing 500,000 deaths in the United States. It's it's. I, I my mind boggles. I I can I can hardly stretch you know that far and to think about five hundred thousand families then, mm. who are who are grieving over this past you know period of time this past year, so obviously, it's challenging. Yes. <laughs> it's pretty can pretty they feel pretty hard to be grateful at a time like this. So how, what do you say to, to people who say that, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. yes, fine. Talk to me about gratitude practice, maybe later in this year when we're sort of out under th- from under this cloud, you know? Yeah.
1: Right. I'll be grateful when I'll be grateful right. when all this is over and then when everything else, you know, and when death goes away and when loss goes away and you when know, I get my job away. back,
2: you know, when I, when I get I can my job feed my, back, when I feed exactly. my family, you know, it's, uh,
1: there are really really deep challenges absolutely right now and i think the the economic ripple is so huge and it's devastating and one of the things that i think is so huge um is that when we can connect there's always that availability to connect with what's right with what's right with ourselves, what's right with our bodies, what's working, right? So one of the things that it's so easy to do in these moments is to take for granted what is okay, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: what is even just okay, and to send appreciation to our bodies for working, for the love that we do have in our lives. It's so easy to just all of a sudden detach ourselves. And I think There's a couple of different places to go. One is we can turn towards taking less for granted, right? Because everything's more precious in the space of being so aware of how easily things are lost right now. And we can also take so much for granted, which is, all right, I'm just going to go numb. I'm going to go on autopilot. I'm just going to suffer my way through this and put blinders on and be myopic until it's over. And I think one of the things that we know about, you know, our physical bodies and about our mental health is that when we can find things to tune into that give us a sense of grace, a sense of spaciousness, a sense of something is working, we're so much better equipped we're so much better able to face the things that are challenging instead of everything is wrong. Mm -hmm. And then we've got nothing to bring. So I think one of the things is really grounding ourselves in those gratefulness helps us ground ourselves in those things that are working, that are okay, that do benefit us. The ways that life is streaming towards us, the way we are receiving, that's present in all of our moments. We have to, turn to notice it. We have to turn to focus on it. We have to uplift it in our awareness and know that that's not about putting our head in the sands, heads in the sand. It's about actually filling the well inside ourselves so that we can have something to bring to all the challenges in our lives so that we're better equipped. We have more resilience. That's what you, this resilience and well being. That's where unconditional gratitude really takes us. And we need those qualities now more than ever, I think, in in coping mm-hmm. with these kinds of circumstances. It's been such a hard year on so many levels for so many people. So,
2: I really like that image of filling the well. You know, yeah. Filling the well. This is a practice that by beginning to move towards accepting kind of um, the deep acceptance, the yoga practice of contentment, that we realize mm-hmm. we can have that regardless of outer circumstances that is very powerful that is extremely mm-hmm. powerful and is a way to replenish ourselves and so many of us are in are in even new roles where parents are now teachers yeah <laughs> so yeah. there's lots of new drains on our on our energy but this is one way and i love the idea of resilience this is the this is what we need. This is absolutely what we need. And we, and we feel it and we know it, but how do we get more of it? So this is an idea. This is why we really wanted to have you on Mm. is to talk about. And then the second part of the show, we're really going to focus on specific practices for, for grateful living, but this is, this is really wonderful. So in talking about um, the guiding principles for grateful living, which is, um, if you have your book, I do. <laughs> Page forty-one. That's where I am. Um, so, let's talk about a, a few of those. I'm not sure we'll be able to get them all in, but let's start. Uh, mm-hmm. So, what are the what is what are some of the uh, principles um, yeah. for grateful living?
1: Okay. So i I will go quickly because I think they build off each other, and we can kind of turn to any ones that are particularly um, speaking to us in the moment. But The guiding principles kind of start in their developmental, right? So we start with the fact that life is a gift. Mm -hmm. That's the basic life is a gift. This moment is a gift. Life is a gift and not to squander that and thumb our noses at that and turn away from that, but to say life is a gift. It is totally available now. And when we greet each moment, gratefully, we are always receiving Mm-hmm. One of the things I like to say is that gratitude waits for something to happen and gratefulness just waits for us to be awake. Mm-hmm. So really life is a gift. When we greet each moment, gratefully we're always receiving and then everything is surprise. And that's the truth. Everything is held in mystery. Everything is held in not knowing everything uh, emerges and comes to us as um as delight, as difficulty. We have no idea, but our work is to be prepared in that receptive full state to greet whatever arises. And then the sec- the second principle, the second part of that is when when we open to wonder, so wonder and curiosity, then opportunities abound.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So that's a really important thing, which is to say, It might be a really difficult moment but what are the opportunities available to me here in the space of this surprise and this not knowing and then from that the third principle is the ordinary is extraordinary Mm. there is nothing ordinary about life about anything about Mm. our hands about our eyes about this microphone in front of you about your ability to hear about technology about the sun about a flower so the ordinary is extraordinary and what this means, the second part of that is when you take nothing for granted, life is actually abundant. It is overflowing when you see everything is extraordinary. And then the fourth principle is appreciation is generative. When we appreciate all of these things, right, so we start to build appreciation. This is now more active. It's on us to start appreciating when you tend what you value when we tend the things we value what we value thrives you can look at anything and see that that's true or what you appreciate appreciates Appreciate, appreciate. <laughs> lin twist <laughs> that's right. so what you appreciate appreciates and what when you tend what you value it thrives so that's true about social justice it's true about a plant it's true about love it's true about anything when you appreciate it it thrives. And then the last one is love is transformative. So love is the transformational agent that we bring to all of life, to our moments, to ourselves, to the gift of life, to the fact of being here, to everything in our lives. And when you embrace that great fullness of life, which is everything, then your heart overflows. So that is the taking us right back into that experience of then cycling around to life as a gift. And I'm always receiving it. And I'm overflowing into that receptivity. So it's a beautiful articulation, I think, of these five kind of stakes in the ground that make up a framework. They help us. Each one is kind of a mantra. Each one is a meditation. Uh, that invites us to be more present to our lives and the gifts of our lives. So thank you for asking me about that. It's really beautiful to talk about.
2: Yeah, yeah, it is. It's beautiful to hear about. So you write that gratefulness is an activator, Mm -hmm. not a pacifier. Yeah. So that's a great, that's a great sentence. (laughs) Okay, so this is an activator, not a pacifier. So what do you mean by that? Can you tell us more in about two minutes?
1: Yeah, it's a great well, a minute place. And a half. <laughs> yeah, it's a great place to kind of pull this half hour together um, towards the end to tie a little bow because what we know is gratitude we can think of as being super self-satisfying. It's kind of an end in itself. It's like, oh, I feel good, right? So that's enough gratefulness, when you think about those principles and you think about gratefulness and gratefulness of heart and all of this taking nothing for granted, it makes us come alive. It makes us come alive. It's an aliveness. And it actually not only does it make us come alive, it makes us more concerned about the well-being of others around us. It's a generosity enhancer. It's a kindness enhancer. It's an empathy enhancer. So we basically come more alive into life. And it just activates us into the fullness of our hearts and into the fullness of possibility. And that's exciting.
2: Indeed. Indeed, it is. And with that, unbelievably, we've already come to the end of the first segment. You're listening to The Yoga Hour with our guest, Christy Nelson, author of the book we're discussing today, Wake Up Grateful, The Transformative Practice of Taking Nothing for Granted. Christy is the Executive Director of the Network for Grateful Living, which was founded by Brother David Steindl-Rast. You can learn more about the Network for Grateful Living at their website, gratefulness.org. We welcome your comments and questions. You can contact us at yoga hour at FM. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, host and producer of the show. After the break, we'll explore some simple practices we can use to find resilience and well-being through unconditional gratitude. We'll be right back.
0: Discover the power within Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to the Yoga Hour Insights and Practices for Spiritually Conscious Living.
2: Welcome back, break. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, and I'm speaking today with Christy Nelson, the author of the book we're discussing today, Wake Up Grateful, which I must say is is a really, really useful and beautiful book. So thank you very much for that, Christy. As we were talking before the, the show started, I know that you planned this book and we're finishing the final revisions just as we were coming into the pandemic, and that this is such a gift for all of us during this time. The timing couldn't be better. And I know that wasn't that wasn't uh, that wasn't part of your plan, but it was part of the divine plan apparently. <laughs> it was not my
1: intention. That's for sure.
2: <laughs> that's right. So, um, what I love about the book is, well, all of it, but the the second part of the book part two, grateful living in the real world. So you really give so much information about, you make it so practical, this idea, not just gratitude practice, but really how to approach life from a gratefulness perspective, which is wonderful. So, Let's talk about a couple of the chapters. We won't be able to do everything. Um, I do encourage people to get the book. Um, so the first uh, one you talk about is dealing with uncertainty. And as I mentioned, this touches on the yoga practice of contentment, which is one of the five uh, principles for Kind of, there's five principles for external, uh, you know, um, ethical living, which are the yamas, and then there's five principles of kind of how we how we can approach life from an in, from inside of ourselves, our own perspective. And one of those is is um, contentment. So this is obviously totally in alignment with that. We all want to have complete control <laughs> over <laughs> our lives, and it doesn't take long in life before you realize that there is so little that is actually in our control. Um, and there is this tremendous amount of change and uncertainty, and particularly, I would say, this past year, we have all been dealing with this tremendous period of change, rapid change. Gosh, did our lives ever change quickly? And the uncertainty goes on, obviously, Mm -hmm. today. We still don't know exactly when this is all going to be over. So your title for the chapter is Savoring Uncertainty, which (laughs) is it sounds lovely and also sounds like a leap. So <laughs> you, you quote brother David at the beginning of this section of uh hold space for mystery in your life. So what would you read us the quote and tell us why you chose
1: it? Mm. So brother David's quote is deep trust in life is not a feeling, but a stance that you deliberately take. It is the attitude we call courage. So I think it takes a lot of courage to actually squarely face the presence of uncertainty in our lives in every moment. I, I think this trust in life is something that we we earn and we, we learn, we earn. I think we yearn for it, right? So we yearn, we earn, we learn this trust in life, which is how to... There's aspects of surrender there, I think, that are really critical, which which I had to cultivate in the hospital, right? So it's like when there's, you can't go anywhere, you're tethered to all these intravenouses. There's so much unknown. And part of what I realized is people would say, well, oh, how did you deal with that period of uncertainty? Or we're in this period of uncertainty now. And part of what I really believe is is significantly powerful in our own transformation is to embrace the truth of uncertainty in every single moment of our lives, we're in a period of uncertainty but that points us to the fact that uncertainty is not going to go away uncertainty is a teaching it's a it's an experience that i think we can transform into this embrace of mystery Mystery is another way of not knowing, another way of describing not knowing, another way of holding not knowing. And mystery has a much more benevolent (laughs) kind of feel to it than everything is so uncertain to him. It's so uncertain, it's unknowable. We're in this really horrible time of not knowing. So I think that there's a way to turn it around and turn towards mystery as a richness. And that we have to, on some level, when we turn toward that sense of mystery, is to have a sense of trust in life, to turn towards the darkness, to turn toward the shadow, to turn toward the not knowing, and and make space for that, befriend it as much as we can. So that's, I think, a really critical part of what this period of time is teaching us. And I hope it doesn't go away. I hope it's not like, oh, we're back to business as usual. Now we're going to pretend that everything is certain again. No, it's mm-hmm. not true. Right, right yes it in reading
2: this and thinking about this aspect which i love by the way is is thinking about it instead of uncertainty thinking about it as mystery yeah. and it's a, it's a lot easier to embrace mystery i think than yeah. it is to embrace uncertainty but the yogic practice another of the of the five niyamas these internal practices is non-attachment in, in non-attachment um actually it's a it's a yama. Sorry about that. It's an mm. it's one of the it's one of the um, outer practices. But anyway, um, non attachment. And so the idea being that we may have a uh, plan in our head of what's going to happen. But we realize how little of that we really have control over. And so to engage with life fully, not to disengage, I think that's the real people, people misinterpret this idea of non-attachment somehow. Mm. It's like we're off in a cave in the Himalayas or something. No, 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 no. You're fully present and awake and alive in life. And you realize you don't have control over the, uh, over the final outcome. You have to have a little bit of surrender. Mm-hmm. Uh, just as you were saying, just as you were pointing to, which is another of the practices, of surrender. Um, so this is just—it's great to talk with someone from a different, you know, area of gr- gratitude yeah. and find so many overlaps with with uh, yoga. So you uh, reference the, su- mm-hmm. the Serenity Prayer, the Serenity Prayer, which is a cornerstone of twelve-step programs, and as you say, this prayer is an offering, is offering an intention to surrender. Mm-hmm. So can you talk about that a little bit more, this idea of surrender and how it supports us in embracing the mystery?
1: Mm. I think the serenity prayer is just so, oh my gosh, you know, it it answers so many questions for so many people, no matter where, what kind of faith or secular background you come from, you know, what we cultivate in that space is just so important, which is, and grant me the wisdom <laughs> to know the difference between, right. you know, what I do and don't get to courage to face what I can't control. You know. And I think these things are so important that um, the release of control is one of these most extraordinary things. It's like, I always picture being the leaf in the river yeah. versus trying to to flow against the river, trying to paddle my way. You know, I've spent so much of my life. I think so many of us do trying to paddle hard against the current of the river Whereas becoming the leaf in the river is really the invitation, which is how do we let ourselves turn ourselves over and watch what happens. It's an experiment. It's a practice in every moment to actually make the decision to let go in a moment rather than quarreling, rather than resisting. And as you say, what's interesting is I think it's both an internal practice and an external practice. So Mm. I think it's in both those. So I want to correct you, kind of help you feel better about that, which is I think it's really both things because it has so many powerful repercussions. And I think that What happens when we do stop and we have that experience, we're more engaged with life. We actually are more engaged. We're more available to life. Mm -hmm. We're more available to be responsive to life, to be proactive in life, to notice life, to... So many things, I think, when we take life for granted and we're pushing and we're we're not noticing everything, when we open up and surrender, there's so much more available to us and so much more that we can harness Mm -hmm. in service of life. So that's a beautiful way to think about it. And that
2: we can see.
1: Because if we
2: have one idea (laughs) in our mind about how things are going to be, then we're pushing, pushing, pushing to get there and not realize, oh, here's this other path over here I hadn't even considered. That actually might be a better solution, which you can't even see if you are so focused on the one way that you think things should be.
1: We walk right by the answer all the time, which is really available to us, I think, if we tune in and get present. So that's, yeah, definitely.
2: So the next chapter that I wanted to talk with you about is entitled Treasuring the Body as It Is. And mm-hmm. you and I were chatting a little bit about this over the over the break between the segments here. So as a physician, of course I know more than most people do about the inner workings of the body and how everything is, it, it's really miraculous. It's absolutely miraculous. There is this amazing resilience of the body, which is called homeostasis, which is the body tries to get back to its normal state. And there are just, I can't even tell you hundreds of examples of the ways that the body is able to do that. This brilliant, incredible mechanism mm. that we that we have and that we often do take for granted. So um, what are some ways that we can become more appreciative of this body we are given? And also I, I wanted to have to touch on that quote that we were talking about over the mm-hmm. break, the, the John Kabat-Zinn, as it
1: turns out, quote. So can you, can you say that? Sure. Uh, as long as we're breathing, there's more right with our body than wrong with our body at all times. And mm-hmm. we can rest in this truth and this awareness deeply and investigate it. I think that's really one of the things that you're saying, which is how do we learn more about the body and appreciate its miraculous nature more?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> this idea of if there's something wrong with our body, and many times there is. I got uh, the second shot yesterday, the second vaccine. My arm is really sore this morning. You were mentioning <laughs> you have had flown and your ear is, <laughs> is blocked. <laughs> you might have a broken leg. You might have, I mean, there's, things that may be going wrong in your body, and it's our natural tendency to notice those, notice those, notice those. And it leaves underappreciated everything that's going right Ah. in our our body, this idea of taking nothing for granted, all of the stuff that's going right with our body. So, again, what are some ways we can become more appreciative of this body Mm. that we're given?
1: Wow. I think just it is orient ourselves this way and it once we begin to orient once you begin to orient toward the body as a miracle and be really curious and investigate the body as a miracle and all that's going on it's probably one of the most mind-blowing places to rest your awareness in gratefulness at almost all times which is what (laughs) that we that we have even when I had stage four cancer even when I had cancer throughout so much of my body because I had a lymph-based cancer right so it was and it went into my bone and it was unbelievably painful the there was more right with my body even in a stage four metastatic cancer experience and so much more right with my body that I'm still alive and I think that's one of the things is that We tend to then get very identified with what isn't working as opposed to really letting our minds boggle and blow at all of the systems in our bodies that are working in concert with each other at all times to keep us alive, to keep us mobile to the degree that we are, that, you know, I have a friend who has ALS right now and he can write with his eyes, like just the miracles of the capacities of the body and the mind are endless. And I would say a really wonderful place, a practice to start is just learn a few facts about the body that are, that are constant foundational um, truths that you can return to that remind you. For me, if I look at my hands, mm. if I think about my breath, my lungs, and that just breathing is in and of itself one of the most extraordinary things that we're doing a thousand times an hour, and not even willfully. It's just we're bre- we're being breathed mm. into life at least a thousand times an hour it's enough to take your breath away, right? I think it's enough to absolutely <laughs> yes. have you just stop in your tracks and just marvel. I mean, sometimes I think it's amazing that any of us can work or do anything because you could, there is something so, that's that that quality of wonder, right? The cultivating that quality of wonder and awe. Um, the body is an easy place to do that. And just to to actually tend your body, put your hand, both hands on your heart. When you breathe, feel your breath, put feel your heartbeat and your breath connected. Feel all the systems that are going on in your body keeping you alive at all times. It's amazing. When you eat your food, all of it. I mean, the people who are doing yoga practices, we understand, I think, these things because we learn to pay attention and appreciate. And I think uh, the body and and what our bodies are able to do, it's just stunning.
2: In particular, you mentioned the uh, Brother David practice of stop, Mm
1: -hmm. look,
2: go. So is there a stop, look, go that you wanted to talk about for the body?
1: Yes, I would say every, when you take a breath, like literally I would stop. It's one of the things that I do to ground myself. I put both hands on my chest so that my thumbs are under my clavicles. I let myself feel my heart. So I stop. I feel that heartbeat with the breath coming in and out. Take one deep breath, feel connected to all living beings, all plants, all trees, all animals realize that we are all breathing in unison, the same airspace, exhale, warm out of your body, everything you don't need replenished. Bam, go. Mm. <laughs> Just every single breath has the capacity to remind you of the miracle of your life. Mm-hmm. The breath
2: is so great that way. It is. I love, I love that. That's why I use it in the centering meditation at the beginning of the, of yeah. the show because it's always with us. It's always with us. It's happening unconsciously, as you say, and we can bring our consciousness to it and it can totally bring us into the present moment, which is beautiful. Exactly. So another chapter is about grief, Mm. is about how do we deal with grief? And in particular, this particular time, of course, we experience grief if we have lost a loved one, certainly, um, if we have a serious illness. And in this time of the pandemic, just the loss of our usual way of life, the loss of grandparents' ability to hug their grandchildren, um, all kinds of things like that. So how can we look at grief from a perspective of this gratefulness,
1: Mm. grateful living? Mm. It would seem to be one of the great paradoxes, right? And and yet, um, what we know is that uh, grief is, and loss are with us at all times. And so learning to befriend that experience of loss as much as we can is important. One of the things that really helps me is, um, there's a the Winnie the Pooh line, this is so silly, but it's like, how lucky we are to have um, things that make saying goodbye so hard. Mm. how lucky we are to have the ability to have things in our life that make saying goodbye so difficult. And so I think one of the things that we know is that when we bring things to mind, when we bring things into our awareness, they don't have a very different quality than actually when they're in our real presence. We can meditate. We can hold the image of the rituals that we used to love so much Right. So there are the hugging, the ritual of hugging is something that I miss so deeply. And yet, what are the ways that I can stand in front of someone, place my hands and my arms around myself and actually close my eyes and invite the other person to imagine that we are hugging, Mm. to feel the loss, both the loss in that moment is acknowledged But the gratitude for the ability to bring it into our awareness, to bring it to mind. Same thing with a person that we've lost. Um, I think it's a really important thing to recognize we are not grieving things that we weren't grateful for, people we weren't grateful for. It's the gratitude for the love, the gratitude for the person, the gratitude for the experience of that person that is ostensibly lost but that's not lost it's so ironic and a lot of people who go through grief they deepen in their capacity for gratitude for what's no longer there recognizing that the gratitude remains the person may not remain the ritual may not remain the routine but the gratitude is as big and can be even uplifted and enlivened in the space of loss. So we remember that gratitude is the path. I love the Valerie Cower quote. Um, uh, uh, Joy is the gift of love. Grief is the price of love. Mm. There's it's something like that. So excuse me and forgive me, Valerie, if I didn't (laughs) say that well, but it is grief is the price of love. And so to have to grieve a lot is to have loved a lot. And to have been loved a lot, and that is something we can turn towards. We can hold gently and lovingly, and shift our awareness such that it, we experience it as a gift that it is. Mm-hmm. It can nourish us too. So mm-hmm. that's an invitation. It's obviously this is a very, it's a pretty advanced practice, and yet people who are actively grieving, who find ways to ritualize that loss and to hold that loss, know that they're in contact with gratitude at all times when they do that.
2: So another chapter that you have is celebrating sufficiency, mm-hmm. and I wanted to touch on this. We have um, a couple minutes to discuss this, and then I want to definitely have you have a chance to leave any words or of wisdom or inspiration um, mm-hmm. for our listeners. So, but th- we do tend to forget this idea of sufficiency. We tend to focus on what we don't have what we don't have rather than what we do have. In a similar way, we were talking about with the body. Mm-hmm. So and Yogacharya O'Brien did write a whole book about this called The Jewel of Abundance about about the idea of, of fullness. So um, how can we become more present to sufficiency in mm-hmm. our lives?
1: Become more present. Take, so I think taking nothing for granted, as we say, that principle makes everything so abundant. So I think that there's ways that one of the things that we can notice is the fullness of our lives. Literally that that is the contradiction to scarcity. So when we begin to really notice what is present, what is serving us, what is in service to begin to walk through our lives and ask what is in service of my life right now. Mm. And to allow ourselves to notice the light switch that turns on the light the water faucet that turns on the water the window that lets light in the door that lets us out and lets other people or energies in the the cupboard that can hold something when we're not attuned to these things we're asleep on some level We fall asleep and in a consumer-based society, as riddled as we are with the constant messages of needing more in order to be happy, we are at the effect of that messaging all the time. It's always in the airspace. It's in the air we breathe. And I think that, you know, I do not want to discount that there's true suffering. There's true suffering when our basic needs aren't met. And that's a very different reality. Still, that space, a of contentment can be deeply available to people. And we've seen people who, people who have so little can be the most generous people. Like in terms of philanthropy, they give the most, the mm-hmm. highest percentage of what they have kindness and generosity are so pervasive in communities that are suffering, turning towards each other, recognizing that when we pool our resources, we have more than any of us have when we have alone. And yet we have to be cognizant of what we have to bring to the table. And so many people feel like, oh, I have nothing to give. I have nothing to offer. I I don't have enough turn away from that belief in scarcity and turn towards noticing what is available and what can be brought to service of other people's well-being. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing like giving away, giving to other people no strings attached, giving anonymously, being generous that's a cure for the sense of scarcity. It's mm-hmm. so reparative. Um so I think beginning to turn all of those things and there's many little practices like I literally put notes on the refrigerator. I put notes on the stove. I'll put it like a little post-it note. I'll put something, if I'm taking things for granted, one of the things I'll do is, you know, put a note on the mirror and just mm-hmm. remember the gifts of your life. Mm-hmm. Don't turn on that water faucet and think that that's just another thing that you do, you know, nowadays, you know, a thousand times a day when we're washing our hands to have soap. We have to recognize our privileges, or they're lost on us, and they're lost on everyone around us. Mm. And that's a tragedy, because mm. our privileges are gifts to be leveraged in service of life, in service of mm. other people's well-being. And the tragedy of losing sight of that to me, is so great because nothing ends up being offered to the well-being of
2: all.-hmm mm. Absolutely. So unbelievably, we've come to the end of the show. I did have uh, just this one quote from Brother David I was going to read. It is not happiness that makes us grateful. It is gratefulness that makes us happy. So we'll give Brother David that last little inspirational spot. (laughs) And with that, you've been listening to The Yoga Hour. It's been a pleasure to share this time with you. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo host and producer of the show, and today I've been talking with Christy Nelson, the author of the book we've been discussing today, Wake Up Grateful, The Transformative Practice of Taking Nothing for Granted. Christy is also the Executive Director of the Network for Grateful Living, which has a number of resources online, so you can check out their website, gratefulness.org. Thank you so much, Christy, for joining me today on the Yoga Hour.
1: It has been a total delight, and I mean it. Thank you, Laurel. Thank you so much.
2: You're welcome. And it's been a delight for us as well. For listeners, we encourage you to join us for the many online programs offered by Yogacharya O'Brien in the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment, including morning meditation, which occurs daily from 630 to 730 a.m. Pacific. Afternoon meditation from 4 to 4.30 p.m. Pacific, which is every day except Sunday, and Sunday satsangs from 10 to 11 a.m. There's still time to sign up for the online meditation retreat, Master Your Mind, insights and practices from the Yoga Sutras, which will be given by Yogacharya O'Brien, which will run April 15th to the 18th. You can find out more about these and other online programs at csecenter.org. Join us next time on the Yoga Hour when I will be joined by Ryan Kurzak. We will be discussing the impact and guidance of Roy Eugene Davis, a direct disciple of Paramahansa Yogananda and one of the great modern Kriya Yoga gurus. The Yoga Hour is a service project of the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment, a meditation center in the Kriya Yoga tradition. CSE welcomes people from all backgrounds who are seeking self and God realization, a path to spiritually conscious, fulfilled living today. Remember to subscribe to the Yoga Hour podcast. Thank you to the Yoga Hour team, founder and spiritual director Charya, Ellen Grace O'Brien, assistant producers Ann Hayes and Mickey Coronado, and Jeff Comfort and Louis Pagan in the sound booth at unityonlineradio.org. I look forward to being with you again. Until then, remember. You carry your own healing and wholeness within you. Share your peace and joy with all you meet. Bye now. Thanks for listening. This is Unity Online Radio,
1: the voice of an awakening world.